With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, world. Welcome to another segment of Fright Talk. Today is April 23rd, 2021, and we're super excited about tonight's topic. I'm Billy Jones, your co-host, along with Nadine Tapps, and we are the Fright Talk guys, and we are here tonight to celebrate, not necessarily, I shouldn't say celebrate, but to discuss, rather, the incredible story and backdrop of Jeffrey Dahmer. As a notorious killer, Jeffrey Dahmer did the unthinkable. On top of that, uh, join us for this discussion tonight about his life and the impact he's had on pop culture and criminology. And also, anytime you'd like to speak with us during this live podcast, you have several options. The first is 347-539-5372, our hotline. Again, that's 347-539-5372. You also have an inbox option of everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com and frighttalkguys at gmail.com. And I got one more. It's an Instagram favorite. You can follow Nadim on N-Tabsh, T-A-B-S-C-H. Go ahead and camp on now, and you can DM him with some of your questions or comments as well. Now, before we start, we'd like to do a little disclaimer about this show. This show will definitely talk about some things that are a lot more rated R because of the story, because of the historical backdrop of of, of the particular um, individual we'll be discussing, so viewer discretion or even listener discretion is strongly advised. And then, furthermore, in no way are we advocating that we are great historians of the, the life and story of Jeffrey Dahmer, nor do we get paid for it. However, we are fascinated because we talk about everything horror and suspense here in our show. And the dean when we came up with this topic a, a, a good while ago, we were excited about the topic. I know that's so sad to say, right? That we were super right. excited about this topic, but there are so many layers to Jeffrey Dahmer that we need to dive into tonight. Yes. And you know, we do have a, a large task ahead of us, Billy, because we were talking before the show on the, mm-hmm. the layers to the cases and the layers to, to the person, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer himself, you know, we've covered, uh, Charles Manson, and we've covered the Zodiac Killer, and we've co- co- covered Madame Lollerie. This is, it's almost like if you were to combine all three. Yeah. And, and, and almost even worse. Uh, you know, uh, folks, for you for you guys listening, 
for all these uh, different segments we do, we research and we actually read through the. That's what uh, Billy and I do to prepare for the show. So, you know, we try to talk about as much as we can in the cases. And sometimes um, with Jeffrey Dahmer, there's like 17 cases. So we can't get into details of each one. But do know that, you know, we, we do our due diligence in the research beforehand so that the information we're giving you is as accurate as possible for us. We are not experts when it comes to Jeffrey Dahmer, but we are intrigued of what brings a, uh, an individual to turn into a monster. You know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin definitely has its space in history now because Jeffrey Dahmer was known as the Milwaukee cannibal or the Milwaukee monster, right. folks. And it took a while for the community. It did place Milwaukee uh, on the map in a very notorious way. And his story, it's so fascinating. We, we give a recap such as this. 17 victims, combination of men and boys, between the years of 1978 and about 1991. And Jeffrey Dahmer's story, Nadine, begins, you know how when we read other folks and you hear about their storylines, oh, what must have led them to these circumstances? There's unique aspects of his childhood that we need to know. For one, right. His mother, Joyce, was, you know, his parents, they, 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 he was born of Irish. He was a mix of Irish and something else. But his parents, they had their challenges. Joyce herself was um, addicted. And she had her own mental struggles. She even attempted suicide a couple times by a drug overdose. And then at some point she, had, she gave birth to a second son that she actually allowed Jeffrey to name. And that son's name was David. And so in time, as the boys matured, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, as, as, as claimed, you know, he had an interesting fascination with nature, especially with animals. And it started with collecting dragonflies and things of that nature. And then, and then it started to, to graduate to more interesting things like carcasses of animals and other things like that. He started to keep these heads and these items in jars. And then his father, though, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't his father an, an alchemist or someone of that nature? Someone who had a background in science and Jeffrey, who had a fascination with science, began mm. to learn from his father, who unbeknownst to him, he was contributing to what would be known today in oh, the right. cases that we right. know. And so Jeffrey's like, oh, if I can do that to animal remains in terms of bone preservation, decomposition of skin and things like that, what would that be like eventually, of course, with humans? What's interesting also is that he struggled with his sexuality. And he finally, I still felt there was a struggle there. Um, because at some point he came to realization with that, but it also began, you know, his interest began to drive the types of victims that he liked to go after. And so then you go, to, folks, you go on this rampage of a good, what, almost 20 years of, of uncanny circumstances, some of which that took place under the eye, under, not under the eye, but under the house of his grandmother. Right. And so, and, and, and she even kicked him out one time because she, there was foul stenches coming from her basement, things going on in the house. She thought he was a little weird, so she kicked him out. But he ended up going back and forth with a couple of stinks with the law. And what's interesting is that in each of the cases, each case in itself is quite interesting because the men that he would lure had a particular demographic. And so yeah. it wasn't until years later that there have been so many, there have been stories and books that have been written about him. And even the families, those who suffered, um, after his demise, and his demise itself is enough to make a story of his own. A lot of them even had their own mixed notions of what that, you know, what went down. 
And, you know, even in his latter life, once he was in prison, he decided to commit to um, become a born-again Christian. And so this story, and I look at the picture, there's so many shots of Jeffrey Dahmer. He was a good-looking guy, handsome. Mm -hmm. He seemed to be the class clown at some point. You know, people claim that he was an average kid. You know, and then he began, as he matured, he became more subdued, especially as his family began to part. His mother and father began to go their separate ways. Um, and then he was of age by the time they divorced, so he ended up living and remaining in the house where the father and mother ended up going their separate ways. And that's when things started taking some weird turns as well. He started exploring and getting the thoughts of what later lead to some of the murder cases that we know today. Yeah. No, and, and thank you, Billy, because that's pretty in-depth. I, I do know that he, as a teenager, started to have issues with alcoholism. Yeah. Um, though, to be fair... The alcoholism has really nothing to do with the heinous crimes that he would later do. I also read in the case file that when he, at a very early age, he had some sort of medical procedure done. They said that after that medical procedure, he was different, more to himself, mm-hmm. and, and that was in an early age, and, and then starting from there. Um, the things that he did were beyond you know, what we imagine as a serial killer, you know, you think of, okay, a serial killer is somebody that obviously kills a lot of people. Check. He did that. But you also have this uh, cannibalistic um, entity there because he also ate parts of his victims. He was a collector because he would, as you had mentioned, he would collect um, appendages from his victims Mm -hmm. placed jars and he had a collection. He would take Polaroid pictures after he would uh, he would lure these young men to his home, drug them, and kill them. And then there's the necrophilia part because after he killed them, he decided to do, um, you know, some sexual acts with the corpses. Mm-hmm. So you have if – you, if you were to build um, a demon incarnate, this is what it would be. Oh, yeah. Okay? It, oh, it yeah. would be – Jeffrey Dahmer, because if you think of all of the things that he did to these poor individuals, and you know, you'd mentioned Billy earlier that uh, a lot of times he did this in in his grandmother's house a few times, but also there was a couple of times that um, law enforcement did not catch on to certain things, even Mm -hmm. though um, he had some run-ins with law enforcement. Like you said, he was a very personable individual, actually. It's how he was able to connect and meet so many of his victims. And, he, and in one case in, in particular, be, while he was doing the things he did, he actually went to court and defended himself from some sort of other sexual allegations uh, from someone else. So this was somebody who was savvy enough to talk their way out of a problem in a courtroom. You know, so you have all of these elements when it comes to Jeffrey Dahmer. Why are we fascinated by this? We, our heart always goes out to the victims of anybody that has come across these uh, serial killers. Always, but we're fascinated of why would somebody? What can drive somebody to do these things? And how can you get away with it for so long? Mm. That's a good point. You know, they, they, in, and for an extended two decades, just about, you know, right. Nadim, he was, uh, you know, according to Wikipedia, he was borderline personality disorder, 
schizotypal personality disorder in psychotic disorder. Yet, interesting enough, during the trial, he was found to be legally sane. And so when you measure all this out, when you, you add it all up, it's quite fascinating. There has to be, there, there, just like we saw in Madame DeLaurier or the Zodiac Killer and those stories. I mean, it's so funny. Now we've had three dimensions of crazy here, and we've gone through three different <laughs> pathways, even periods. Right. What's creepy is that he was in our 20th century, folks. Yeah. This one was very different because it was very, well, the other was that, so was the Zodiac. But this one was different because it, it hits our modern times. We're only about 30, you know, 40, 50 years removed from in this particular story. And he, he existed in a time period in which at least being gay or at least recognized was a lot more, I shouldn't say a lot more, but more acceptable than it was in previous times. And I also want to say this one more thing that I found was very interesting. The time in which he, he, he moved out, there was a period of his life, Nadine, when he moved out and he lived in this apartment. And then that's when he also, like you said, the, the drinking, he tried college at Ohio State and flunked out, but he only did well in riflery. Can you imagine taking a riflery class in college? And so he took a riflery class and did well there. And so he tried at certain things in life, just wasn't good at it, but then he started getting his fixated. He was very fixated on a particular demographic. Many of his victims were mixed race, um, you know, people of color, and preferably black, all attractive in certain ways. I mean, not all of them, but a good number of them. I think a couple of one was Asian, I think. And there was in, in each of them had they were each in circumstances, like for instance, a hitchhiker, which was common back in the day. People hitchhiking right. to go to a rock concert, or you know, the wavered young man, you know, the prodigal yeah. son trying to find his way and gets lured at from a at a bar. I mean, he had all the demeanor to attract attention and 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 enough calm and collectedness to collectiveness to invite people back to his place. And what's interesting is that the degree in which he would murder them, you know, most of them were by strangulation, but there were others that were also by, I mean, he did one, he, he drilled a hole and, 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 and poured in hot water, injected hot water mm-hmm. to induce it. He tried to perform lobotomies himself. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. And then what's even scary, his first victim was 17, actually. The first victim was 17, and then he migrated to adulthood. Then he went back to the 14-year-old, which you're going to get to that soon. And then it's just crazy. It was just crazy circumstances. And I noticed that he liked to save torsos during his dismemberment, saving torsos, saving uh, genitalia. I mean, folks, I'm sorry to be so graphic here, but this is the sadistic nature of the mind of Jeffrey Dahmer. And took Polaroid pictures, which would eventually be his undoing. He took Polaroid pictures of his victims, and he took Polaroid pictures after he dismembered them, and he ate parts of them. Yes, that's. Oh. He told one of the victims about the heart. He wanted to kill one of the, Edwards. There was a guy. He said, "Yeah, he wanted to take his heart. Like I'm going to eat your heart. Like who said right. this? Like really, dude? Right, right." I mean, this is crazy. Folks, we're so fascinated and appalled at the same time, okay? And yeah. if at any time you want to call us during this live podcast, come join <laughs> us in our emotional feelings at 347-539-5372 or, again, 347-539-5372. And, Adeem, we are getting some questions that are coming in on my end. Yeah. So yeah folks, continue to send them in at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com or in taps. Send your loves, send your comments, and your thoughts.
<laughs> All right, Billy, I do have some on my side as well. I have one here, a question from Belinda. Thank you, Belinda, for listening. I was waiting for you guys to cover Dahmer. What disturbed you the most about his story? Wow, Belinda, there's so many aspects of it. Um, disturbed me the most, probably the necrophilia after the dismemberment. Yes. That yes. probably disturbed me the most. Because, yeah. you know, obviously a serial killer does not value human life the way an, another person does. But on top of that, to to just not even have any, obviously, zero type of remorse, but the the necrophilia after the dismemberment, I mean, that's just a whole other level of crazy. And I'm okay saying crazy. That's a whole other level of crazy that should not be out there in society. You know, Dean, I'll ask that. You, what disturbed I, you the most? No, I agree with you. Necrophilia, number one. And you know another thing, too? The fact that you could live, I mean, folks, anything that's decomposing is not healthy. And that he chose to live and keep and maintain jars and gallons yeah. and tubs, like grandmother's yeah. tub, co- the collection, right? The collection. The collection, and yeah. It's like, dude, that's not healthy. And that, you know, and, and, and there, ugh, I don't even want to be, I can't help but be this graphic. There was one moment when he was, there was one of his future victims ends up seeing something that they perceived that he may have seen the other victim that head was decomposing. He would save the skull. Some of the skulls were even used as sexual pleasure. And so this is crazy. And so all of this is just, it's a lot to unpack. And any other movies that would give it due diligence today, because even the ones I've seen or the stories, they cover it, but they don't go graphically into where it could go. So if anyone's going to take this on, you know, looking forward to it, but I even wonder if, if, if for us, Nadine, is there a limit to what we should see in terms of the reality of what, what took place? Yeah, I, you know, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. We don't, we want to know, but we don't want to know. Yeah. You know, yeah. we want to know, yeah. but we don't really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. I understand. I understand. Hey, Nadine, we got a question came in right now. Check this. Dina wants to know, Dahmer's confession is quite historic. He admitted to a number of things I hear. What do you make of it? <laughs> That's a good I, question. It is a very good question. I think that there's a lot more victims of Jeffrey Dahmer than w- what we actually know. Now, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Dahmer at one point was in the armed forces, and he was stationed in Germany. At an early age, it was his father who encouraged him to do it because his father was worried about the alcoholism. And so when he was stationed in Germany – there was no reported uh, victims to him. However, I will say that it has been documented that there were some mysterious murders around the area where Jeffrey Dahmer was in Germany at that time, and German officials were looking into it. Um, but he was never, you know, uh, pegged as as one of the one of the people involved. However, I mean, looking back on it now, you can't help but think he probably was. I mean, we don't know that for sure, obviously, but I, something tells me that there may be more victims than what we actually found out about. I think higher than 17. You know, he stated this, listen to this. He stated he had been completely swept along 
and it was an incessant and never-ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost, someone good-looking, really nice-looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. Right. This is somebody who, who he could not function because he was fixated on his next victim. Well, you hear something else. He confessed, Nadine, too. He confessed that. You know the reason why he <laughs> – this was interesting. He, the reason why he kept the, the skeletals, you know, seven skulls, it was like seven or eight skulls that he kept. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because he was going to build a, 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 a private altar of his victim's skull to display on the, uh, on the table. You know, located in his living room, in which he would have, you know, photographs of the bodies would be also nearby. I'm like, he's creating this crazy shrine. You know the movie The Collector? Wasn't there The Bone Collector? Was the Bone movie? Collector. Was it the one with Queen Latifah was in it? No, it was Denzel Washington, Angelina. Denzel Lee. Washington, right. Denzel yeah. Washington. And I, I can't help but think about that movie, and I'm thinking, whoa, this is crazy. I mean, he was like, you know, maybe he was some inspiration or muse for that. I'm sure. I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, maybe I, I the 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 fact I, I it's not uncommon for serial killers to collect things from their victims, that is but true. he was he was collecting pieces of his victim. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't taking like a necklace, he wasn't taking a bracelet, he was taking skulls. So that's a whole other you know, and, and I mean the the craziness to build an altar and pray to who. You know, because that doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, wow. I have a question here for you, Billy, from Paul. It says, I've learned that Dahmer's story or upbringing wasn't out of the ordinary. What part of his upbringing do you think was the most intriguing? I think the fact that he started drinking early, you know, that yeah. was a part of his adult, his, his teenagehood, which is not, okay, folks, it's not a surprise. Teenagers do drink, you know, and when they shouldn't. Yeah. But he took to alcoholism quite quickly. Because also his mother's actions, there was a part that she became very dis- dis- detached from everybody because of her own situations. Then she had an affair with her, you know, you know, outside of the, her, obviously, her relationship. And then that was where, at that point, the father said, I got to get out of this. We're, I'm done. So he left to go to a motel, and then the boys stayed at the house with her. But then, of course, Dahmer becomes of age at that point. Dahmer ends up remaining at the house for some reason, but the mother had custody of David left and the father went on with his life and so it so there was some weirdness that took place and it, and it, it was alleged that during that time Dahmer uh, recounted that there was a he got the idea there was some guy he would see on some route some running route and he had his idea of getting a bat he took a bat and went and hid in the bush to see if he could beat him and take this guy to do him but the guy never showed up and uh-huh. then he said you know he it's alleged that that was one of his first um, encounters or thoughts of actually wanting to actually commit the act of murder and to wow. follow these other sensations. And so, you know, you hear that. Yes, his story is sad. You know, pa- every kid would love for their parents to remain together. Um, it, it, but does that still justify the means? Something else had to click somewhere, Nadine, to make him yeah. just go off. This is off. This is yeah. very off, very atypical. I mean, this is off. Yeah, and, and I think for me, the whole part of him being different after a medical procedure at an early age could be telling. We know medicine then is not what medicine is now. From the late 70s, oh, even before that, actually, from the 60s to now, what medicine is, is leaps and bounds, folks. 
So even the the anesthetic used is not even the same. And so I, I think that if somebody has a medical procedure at an early age, and then immediately after that medical procedure, they say, this person is not the same person anymore. That is, to me, what I find intriguing about the upbringing and the early childhood. And here's, here's something for you. He confessed to having eaten the hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of thighs of several victims. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. He was not vegan, that's I'm for sorry, sure. folks. I don't mean to laugh. It's laughable to a sad, folks. That's our point here. I think the more we start diving into this, the more we're creeped out. I don't know, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, you've done a lot of harm here. Let me ask you a question. So in all of the things that, you know, we know the story is just crazy enough. But, and I want you to think critically on this. We meet, when you're out in the public, you meet all kind of people, right? Yes. Would you have been able to spot Jeffrey? That's a good question. I Okay, so I think we all have had moments where we're in a public place where we yeah. see a stranger and we're like, there's something off about that person. Or maybe there's not something off about the person, but you just get a vibe. I don't know. He did look like a normal, typical you know, Anglo uh, individual that probably blended in very well in Milwaukee or Ohio during this time. It would have been very difficult to uh, pick this person out in in a group full of people to say there's something odd about that particular person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know. I think people get vibes off – certain individuals and you either get a good vibe or you get a bad vibe and you kind of just roll with your gut. Would it have been able to pinpoint that there's something off about him? I don't know. I, I don't want to be arrogant, but I will say that a lot of people met him and didn't feel that there was something off about him. But also those people that met him that went back to his place were because they were looking for intimate encounters. And so sometimes when people are looking for intimate encounters, you're a little bit blinded. You have the blinders on. Uh, to your general safety and environment, unfortunately, sometimes, especially at that particular time. So, you know, I don't know. I think that it's a tough question. I think that the vibe, I I would have to see if that person gave off any type of vibe in a general location. I do not think he would have stuck out in Milwaukee at that time or at this time, actually, to be honest with you. Do you think you'd be able to pinpoint? Listen, like I it's a good point. Your response is, is golden. I think, you know, the ones we think are not so well may be the most sane of all. And so, and yes, those that we see that may be a little off in the world, they are. So right. I, I won't dismiss that. But I would say that he would blend. He was a chameleon. He could blend because there was a, a scene. Remember when the, the 14-year-old boy that he had in his place, he got away because Jeffrey went mm-hmm. to go drink. And the story goes that he went away. way the boy was found on some corner somewhere. These three women saw him and asked him questions. When Jeffrey capture, catches up with him, um, the, women didn't believe, the, the women didn't believe Jeffrey's story. They said, well, we called 911. And then Jeffrey escorts the boy back to his apartment. And then the cops go to the apartment. And like you said earlier, <laughs> let him stay. <laughs> and we understand what we understand what happened to that victim. And so he was so – he was – 
fully able to cooperate calmly in the Correct. face of major challenges. That takes such conviction. That means yeah. to me, you are fully aware of what you're doing and you chose yeah. to do it. It's chilling. It's chilling. It's it's chilling. Really, it really Absolutely is. chilling. It really, really is. I, I completely agree with you. And then, yes, in that particular case, um, the police kind of felt that it was a domestic um, homosexual relationship. They didn't want to get involved at the time, and they let it go, which, by the way, that that 14-year-old boy would later die at the hands of Jeffrey Dahmer. Folks, I want to remind you, you could call in at any time. Telephone number is 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. You can always email your questions. We have a ton of those rolling in at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com. You can always message us on Instagram at N-T-A-B-S-T-H and Tabs or at Dr. Billy Jones or at Fright Talk Guys. Yeah, Dean, check this out. I got a question that came in. I want to read this. It reads, okay, Amanda says the following. Dahmer had a fascination with mixed race or black men. He, is, he was also gay. I mean, really. The world was somewhat more liberal then. Do you think his being gay made it even worse? Do I think his being gay made what worse? I'm sorry. No, the, the, he, I guess his the the the, the, the outcome of his actions, the murders, like the fact that he was gay, part of the storyline. Does it make it? Any oh, worse? well. So because he was gay, he preyed on his victims in that way. Now, you, you folks, you've got to remember that uh, at that time, it wasn't like there were still very much. Uh, places, and I'm going to assume Milwaukee was one of these places, during this time in the 70s and the 80s where even homosexual clubs were very much underground. And so I believe that it, that have would perhaps have made it easier for him because there was this incognito type of vibe, I'm sure, that he would have to, he would meet somebody and take him back to his place, but you know they're keeping things hush hush because maybe homosexuality was not as open in Milwaukee or Ohio or whatever the case is during that time. And so, do I think it made him easier to find his victims? I actually believe it it did. Do we, we, mm. I do. I do. I feel. Yeah. I didn't even think of the historical impact um, and significance. Absolutely, it allowed him to mask what he needed to do. Although he met, he didn't meet them all in in, in gay bars. He met them in different spaces, but the, I think the ones that were in the gay bars were easier to get because mm-hmm. often, you know, when folks are going there, I mean, for any bar, what are you looking for? If you're not with your friends in a happy hour, you're looking for socialization or just to re- relax and unwind. Someone pulls up to you nearby, and because Jeffy was driven by his sexual urges too, that right. kind of dri- drove some of these thoughts. He was very particular in the victims, and they believed him. And and he was also attractive to them, I'm assuming. And it just led. But what's interesting is that not all of them were gay, though. And 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 Amanda, I got to right. remind you, not all of the victims were gay. In fact, there was one guy, one of the earlier victims, who I guess when Jeffrey advanced on him, he said, "No, I'm ready to go." That was the hitchhiker, and Jeffrey wasn't having that. That was the late late 70s victim. And 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 then later on is when we start seeing the other stories. But he did have this fascination with torsos, Nadine. Like he would even like his interest was in the torso, and he would even pose right. them after they were, you know, dismembered. It, it's just such so odd. It's just such an odd. 
it's just odd. It's so odd and strange. And you know what it does? And I have to say this with my you know, Anglo-American fam- um, family and friends around the world, the nation. It, it just only reinforces the stereotype of being Anglo sometimes. That it, you know, and it's not fair. You can't label and, and you know label people because of one person, right? And so, right. But, but then again, you look across cultures. You know, each culture has its own challenges. But I found it is so fascinating that he only furthers the stereotypes of the things that could be said. And I'm, it's just it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. Nadine, I got a question for you. Tina asks, "What do you guys make of Dahmer's murder in prison?" <laughs> I hear that he was raped. Is that true? No, I don't think he was raped. But what do you hear? I don't think he was raped. What I heard was that, what I read actually, not what I heard. (laughs) Uh, What I read was he was beaten to death by another prisoner. Him and another prisoner were beaten to death by this one prisoner with, I believe, a a dumbbell um, or a bar, a lift bar. That um, that he beat Dahmer, and because and specifically later on, the person that that killed Dahmer and the other uh, prison inmate um, stated it was because Dahmer would often make fun. He would use his food and and make fun of like the limbs of victims and stuff like that. And I guess uh, this one prisoner was not having it, and he beat him to death with uh, the dumbbell bar. And you know what? Good riddance. <laughs> I'll agree. And, and he, they were on detail duty by the showers that particular night from what I've read. And uh, the like you said, Scarver was his name. He was the guy who did yeah. the murder. He was already serving his own sentence, by the way, for murder, folks. And he was African-American. Um, Dahmer and his friend Anderson, I think that was his name, they were Anderson, yeah. they were, um, you know, white. And they, they apparently what Scarver said was that I think that was his name. He said there was a moment where he read something or heard something about him as well in the paper, mm-hmm. and he said, oh, and then the fact that the victims were black, and you know prisons are very racially divided, uh, didn't it was just not uh, it wasn't going well, right? Along with the poking fun and all that, mm-hmm. and and keep in mind, folks, during prison, he also Dahmer that is. He became a born-again Christian, so he decided to adopt that as well. And so as a result, he, this guy took him out. The deed was spot on. He knocked him out. Dr- Jeffrey Dahmer died an hour later from his injuries, where right. the other guy, Anderson, was taken to the hospital where he died later. Two days he died later. later. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Dahmer was supposed to be in isolation, but as time passed, he – from what I read, he almost convinced the, the you know, whether it's the prison guards or whatever, so he can mix a little bit more with the general population. Okay, again, so even in prison, he, he was still working his, his, uh, his charm to try to get what he wants and stuff like that. And obviously, it was, it was his end that undid him. All right, Billy, I have a question here for you from Preston. It says, it's apparent that Jeffrey was a clever and charismatic man. After all, you have to be those things to lure someone to their death, right? What are your thoughts, Fright Talk team? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely think that he definitely had charisma because he talked his way out of very many situations. Um, yeah, I mean, Billy, the, the charisma part in attachment to the serial killerness of him, um, how do you think that correlates? I think it's 
it's it's sad that here's a man who had such imagine if he had used all those talents for good what could have been done good in the world imagine True. you know from from he could have been a great attorney he could have been a teacher he could have been a, a medical practitioner or an, a, or a chemist he could have done some great stuff in the world and today today if he were alive he died at 34 if he were alive today, what would he be in his early, late 50s, early 60s? And so mm-hmm. he would be able to really contribute to society in a way. It's just so sad. Maybe he would have been part of a gay cause or gay rights activism, right? Who knows? But instead, what's sad is that all of those talents, it, it go, it, it's no different than any female killers as well. Madame Delorier, the, 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 the axe murderer, they know, they're very aware of how to take advantage of people's vulnerabilities in order to captivate or seize the moment to do the ultimate. And that right. is, it, that's, that's very calculated to me. And yeah. imagine if those skills and talents were transferred into something good. It's just sad that it wasn't. And I think also, too, those charms, yes, I think it all makes the package. Uh, you know, Susan, I, say, I cited this before, Nadine, Susan Lombroso, who is a, a, a criminologist, a mid-century criminologist who wrote in some amazing research, in his book the, about the normal man, woman, I mean, the normal man, the, there were three men, I can't recall what they were, but there was a conversation that he said about the, the mind of the man. And that is a, a, a criminal man, especially a serial killer, will naturally be, you know, what makes a serial killer? The perpetual act of killing consistently, right? right. And the fact that you perpetually kill means that you have the perpetual desire to not live. And I was like, wow, this actually guy said this? He says, no, I mean, society looks down morally on that idea that if you continue to take a life without reason, you have no right to live. And, 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 but criminologists in the day, back in the day had to wrestle with that and begin to recognize that, that it's not the case. People, are, especially in America, are entitled to due process. So that automatically throws that out the window. But when you know someone has done inevitably wrong, where do we draw the line and say, you know what, you're no longer allowed among us? Not even prison no. is worth your life. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just, I, I just think it's sad. Good gifts lost. Well, I agree. I got a question for you coming from Doug. Here it goes. He says, I didn't buy the part of Dahmer's history that be that became that he became a born again Christian while imprisoned. Do you think it was a cover up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a this is a man who, first of all, Doug, thank you very much for your question. Dahmer was a man that knew how to work the circumstances. In every facet of his life as an adult, he worked the circumstances. When he went into prison, he worked the circumstances. I do not believe that you are a born again Christian, but somehow could still make fun of the limbs of your former victim. That to me is a cover up, and to be honest with you, quite a crappy one. So no, I don't buy that for one minute. And he could be as Christian as he wants to. It doesn't make up for the seventeen plus victims, I'm sure, that he um, that he ended their life, and then the families that have to go through that, and then the generations after those families that have to go through that. I mean, I don't know, Billy. When it comes to Dahmer being a born-again Christian, are you buying what he's selling? I think he did it as a way to bait the Milwaukee religious community to support him. Think about this. All, remember, you probably see this as well or, or seen it online. 
where individuals who are on their death row and then they finally go to their final death sentence. And then you got people outside all protesting and let's yeah. save his life and God saved the man and this is wrong to kill, you know, capital punishment. And so I thought it was, it, it, it was out of all the times that he was very smart in all of his other actions, I thought it was very foolish. But then the, there's one glimmer of hope here, at least from his point of view, it gives me a community of people to love and support me to at least keep me here. I mean, it's funny. I don't know where Milwaukee stood with death penalty at that point, um, but they were, you know, definitely death penalty was a lot more alive than it is today, folks. But I would also say that people aren't obviously doing what they do like Jeffrey Dahmer does. And he did make his way, by the way, Nadine. He did come to Miami, actually. He was here working for a little while, and he worked at a deli here somewhere, but he didn't kill anybody here. He ended up back in Milwaukee where he, he went back, and he was drinking. He had an apartment here, but he ended up going back there. So funny enough, he did make his way to Florida and in South Florida, to be exact. And so I, I don't know if, if the Christian cover-up was smart. I thought it was his last hope. I think he finally ran out of choices. It, it, and, but he was already in, though. Let me keep in mind, too. Let me correct myself. He was already incarcerated at that point. So right. When you're incarcerated, and all, all you do is have butt time, right? I mean, literally, incarceration for a life sentence is waiting for death. Right. You're literally living right. every day to wait for death. You can't go out. You can't enjoy the life luxuries and, and, and create memories. You're waiting on death. You get three meals a day, and if you're lucky, some wreck time if you're in good behavior. Crazy. Yeah. All right, Billy, I have a question here for you. And this one is from Max. Max asking ah. questions all the time. So Max, thank you so much. Max says, There's a show coming out soon starring Evan Peters. I know you're gonna jump on this one, Billy. Evan Peters from American Horror Story as Dahmer. Do you think it will live up to the storyline, Billy? I think it's it's called the show that he's gonna be on is called Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. It's gonna be on Netflix. It's coming up. And listen. Evan Peters, I love that guy. I think he's so awesome, American Horror Story. For the past nine seasons, I've seen his evolution. He's played so many roles, straight, gay, crazy, deranged, victim, zombie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, he's done it all, and I'm just amazed at what he'll bring. And he's also very handsome. And, you know, when you put the pictures, uh, you, you put the pictures by each other of Dahmer versus him. I could see that working. And I yeah. love the fact that you can get a character, you get a, an actor who knows how to embody these things. What I hope won't happen, I'm sure this won't happen, but I got to speak for our brother Evan Peters. I don't want to happen to him what happened to the other gentleman who played Joker. What's his name? Who killed himself? The gentleman, I forgot his name. Keith, Keith Ledger. Ledger. Yeah, I, I don't, I, because at some point you have to study these characters. And, you, mm-hmm. and if he's going to pay homage in a way that I think he will in a Netflix movie, that can take you to a dark place. And I'm sure Evan's in a good place. He has a family, he has a child and everything, but still he's going to have to tap that space, right? Tap that moment. He's going to go places with this character that he probably has never gone with any of the other characters he's played on TV. I agree with Evan. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Evan Peters is an amazing actor. And having said that, I think he would make an excellent Joker. Agree. Evan Peters, you Evan heard that. Evan Peters would be an amazing Joker, an amazing Joker for the DC series. I really believe that because I've seen him be uh, in, in his acting sincere and maniacal at the same time. 
I, I think he would do – first of all, I think he's going to do phenomenal with this role as Jeffrey Dahmer, but I think he would be a phenomenal casting for Joker, in my opinion. All I right, Billy, you. we got another one here. Sure. Do you have more on your side? I have a few on my side. Go ahead. I'll take another from you. Go for it. Okay. This is from Dee Dee. Why didn't his grandmother ever catch on to his murders? He committed some of them in her own house, and I know you said that earlier, Billy, uh, which is true. Why do you think grandma never caught on to it? Listen, because grandmothers are grandmothers, okay? Sometimes your grandchildren <laughs> could do no wrong. And also, let me say, folks, sometimes grandmas, I mean, not like our grandmas, Nadine, <laughs> but in, mm. some grandmas, you know, they, listen, when you're older, you're not as astute to certain things. And if you're letting one of your loved ones in your house, and they seem to be of good nature and being respectful of the household, what's there to watch or question? But what began, what she, what she began to realize, I mean, even one of the victims, there was one situation where the grandmother did hear him. Um, she she heard him come in the house, and he was actually in the process of killing one of them. Mm-hmm. And he said to them, and the grandmother said, hey, Jeffrey, is that you? Like, she called out to him because she heard something. And then he played it off, and the guy was being drugged, by the way. Like, he was drinking some coffee, some spiked coffee or something. And so um, the point is, it was happening right beneath her nose. She started smelling the weird stuff, and she thought he started contaminating the house with his weirdness, and that's when she kicked him out for the first time. He never wanted to hurt. Isn't it interesting? He never wanted to hurt her. Clearly, he mm-hmm. loved her, and she would welcome him back over the years when he was in and out of situations. He could always come back home. Now Joyce, his mother, though she was her, she didn't she she died in two thousand of cancer. But she was very loyal to her son, Jeffrey Dahmer, when he died. Well, she was going ballistic in the news about, are you happy? He's dead. Now you killed him. Like, she was going off. Oh, let me answer for her. Yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yes, in the end. Yes, we are happy he's dead. Yeah. And, and grandma was, so what could grandma do if grandma only knew what she knew? Yeah. And, and also, I mean, look, she obviously kicked him out a few times, and he had played her. You know, he, did. he didn't hurt her because she was a woman, and he hurt men. That's true. He she didn't hurt his woman. That's right. His mom was a woman, and he hurt men. Mm. You know, and in reference to, you know, I, I, okay, the mother, yes, it's always your baby, this and that. And I, I don't recall her being on the news saying that, but because I didn't see it, but I know you did, Billy, because uh, you saw the clip, but. You know, if the mother is is saying, you know, are you happy he's dead, this and that, and I know she passed on, but to answer your question, yes. Yeah. Here comes a question. You know, this question that came from Victor, check this out. Fascinating yet horrific story, Victor says. Do you think another person could possibly get away with with murders like Jeffrey Dahmer in our modern times? Man, I, I really hope not. I really hope not, obviously. You don't wish that upon anybody. You don't wish that upon society. Let me say that. Or or families or anything like that. Um, can somebody get away with it? We've mentioned throughout several shows, especially when we talked about the serial killers, Billy, that it's harder to get away with things today because of cell phones, because of cameras, because you can ping a location of the last known where the cell phone was last. Because you can do those things, I believe it's significantly harder to get away with things like that. I mean, look, we're all connected to our phones, or some people are connected to social media. I mean, how many people do we know, Billy, that'll post a pre-pandemic 
on the way here to get food, on the way here to do this. And they post this stuff online, and then, or they'll post that they're in a specific restaurant or bar or store. And so it's easier to keep tabs on people, hence making uh, finding uh, victims for somebody as lunatic as, as Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, I think it would be more difficult than it than it was for him. I think it was easier for him at that time, Billy. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think it would be easier? Or do you think it would more or less be the same? I I think it's a combination. We are in a, in times where yes, technology affords us the voyeurism of knowing everywhere and where we're going, including GPS and things like that. But it's also possible for folks to still slide under the radar with stuff. And, and, and it's unless what's happening today is that it's helpful that we have technology to record or memorialize the problem or the circumstance to serve as evidence. But if you don't have that, then we're based on the truth and confessions of people. Most folks would, people lie about all kinds of things today. They lie about their bank accounts, their age, where they live. They lie yeah. about a lot of things, their relationship status. And sure. so Jeffrey was strangely, foolishly honest, <laughs> and he was very committed to that. And so if every criminal could say, you know what, I did this, <laughs> you know, and not spend my, dig my own grave in the process, right? I think it's so interesting that in the end, we don't know what can happen. We just hope that it doesn't. And it goes back to your point. We hope that it never does. We got enough going on, folks. We got a pandemic. We got a lot going on. So please, yeah. if you are inspired by this show, please do not say you ever got inspired by Fright Talk. Instead, what we want you to do is understand that even in fear, there are limits. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We never advocate for any of the foolishness or craziness that people have done in the past at all. Now, more than anything, uh, intrigue is one thing. Uh, but, you know, we, we do not celebrate these individuals. I mean, if you're listening closely to our show, you, you realize that we have a disdain for these individuals. We're not happy about the things that they did. Um, so definitely, um, we don't need that. And we hope that, you know, uh, that society in general doesn't have to experience anything like that again, uh, hopefully ever, but you know. Again, folks, this is going to be the last mention to call in at 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. And even though we do have a slew of questions left, you could always email your questions at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com, frighttalkguys at gmail.com, or you could DM us at ntabsh, N-T-A-B-S-T-H, on Instagram, at Dr. Billy Jones, or at Fright Talk Guys. Billy, mm-hmm. I have a question. Go ahead. You got a question for us? No, no, no. No, go ahead. One just popped in, but they can wait. I want to hear yours. Okay. So I have one here from Larry. (laughs) Oh, Larry, I don't know if I can use this language on the air. Okay, but I'll... I'll... (laughs) What did he say? Um, I don't know if I can say it the way he said it, but Larry says what's screwed up, but he didn't use the word screwed up. What's screwed up is that the cops believe Jeffrey's story for those women found his next... I'm sorry. Let me reread that. What screwed up is that the cops believe Jeffrey's story after those women found his next victim, a 14-year-old naked and confused uh, on a street corner. Then Jeffrey took the boy back to his place. The cops arrived. They believed him. How screwed up is that? 
How do you make of this piece of history? Larry, you know what? You're right. And I have to tell you something. I absolutely love your vocabulary, Larry, because you and I talk the same. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, Larry's right. We talked about this particular case. You had mentioned it about the women that called the police officers, but they believe Dahmer, not the boy. And I mean, that's it is very screwed up. It's messed up. And I don't know, Billy, why not believe the boy? I mean, you know, I, I know that Dahmer told the police the boy was 17, the boy was 14. The boy was the ocean, maybe? Yes, he was. Okay. So I don't know if he actually spoke English or not, but they literally, uh, you know, this kid did die, and he was allowed to stay with Dahmer, even though the police were called. Now, folks, this is, you know, our law enforcement in in the United States, we, you know, we support the right law enforcement, the ones doing the right thing. Uh, however, in this particular case, they dropped the ball. I mean, you literally took a victim back to his death, in my opinion. I mean, Billy, I don't know. It, it, it is pretty screwed up, and it's pretty crazy to think that that happened. Just, I mean, the shame on them. I mean, I, it, I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. Even if that person is claiming to do something else, wouldn't the worst thing you could dismiss that person is a little deranged and they need to go to medical care, right, and be taken in for evaluation? No, they instead they took him back home. Well, they, they they didn't take him away because remember Jeffrey right. took you know he you know they went to the apartment. The ladies didn't buy it. The three women did not buy Jeffrey's story at all. And so and even though he led the boy away they still did what they had to do and directed him in the direction of where this was. At that point, he was living in his apartment, by the way, there was some apartments mm. that, and the latter killings of his, his spree. One thing I wanted to share with you though, outside of this, that I think you, you find interesting. One of his early victims was death. Oh, he communicated with him via writings. Yeah. Like they wrote on notes. Yeah. And he kept some of those notes. Yeah. That was weird. Wow. That was like, this is crazy. I'm telling you, like, he ha- he was like an equal opportunity crazy. <laughs> an equal opportunity crazy. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you. I got I to gotta read this one really fast. Vicky says, do you know what happened, ever happened to Dahmer's family in the aftermath? So I know you mentioned that the mother had died of cancer in 2000. I did read that some businessmen from Milwaukee paid upwards of $400,000 to purchase the items that Dahmer used to kill victims. And then Ooh. burn them to try. Yeah, but they burn them and, and destroy them to try, try to get rid of, of um, basically try to erase Dahmer as part of the history of Milwaukee. So I know that they uh, tried to eliminate some of those things. I do know that his home in Milwaukee, uh, people do go. Somebody owns it, but people do go and tour the outside of it. Okay, where where some of the murders and stuff actually occurred. Uh, my brother actually went on a tour of his own when he was up there and checked out. Uh, Dahmer's house as well. As far as what happened to his actual family, I don't know. I know that the father still communicated with him while he was in prison. Um, after that, I, I'm i not sure. I know that you said the mother had passed away. Yeah, she died in 2000. And his brother actually changed his surname. David changed his surname and lived in anonymity. And the father wrote a book, actually. He wrote it's called A Father's Story or something. Well, he wrote a story about this whole Jeffrey Dahmer. He published it in 1994, interestingly, at 1994, right after his son's death, um, and, and, and tried you know, try to deal with that. 
And he, you know, so the father, Jeffrey has his father's middle name, by the way, which is Lionel. And so Lionel is still alive with his second wife while the other, his mother, Joyce, died. She died in 2000. And, you know, prior to that, she did have some suicide attempts. Wow. Yeah. I have a question here for you from uh, Mm -hmm. Rhonda. Rhonda says, was it wise to take pictures of the human remains that he, Jeffrey, collected? The dismemberments were crazy. What makes people go insane? Rhonda, we, uh, if you can answer that question, you know, Rhonda, <laughs> let us know. Because we, you know, earlier in the show, we talked about the fact that he memorialized these killings and wanted to look at them. He was trying to create this shrine or sort. I don't know what would put someone to do that. And to me, if you're fixed, I mean, we all have desires, right, Nadine? We have things we want to do. But what will push us to that point where we want to do those kinds of unthinkable things? It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to even scientifically understand. Although science, including psychology, have done a good part in understanding what psychos, uh, psychotic behaviors and multiple behaviors and disorders are, this even goes beyond that. Because there's so many layers from being cannibalistic, pedophilic, necrophilic. Right. I mean, layer, layer, layer here. It's it's just un it's just un, un, unimaginable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, as far as the pictures, no. But he was a collector, and he was obviously insane. So that's why he did the things that he did. I mean, was it wise? No, because those Polaroids. At one point, police responded to his home, and his undoing was that they they looked around and they saw some Polaroids of dismemberment. And so they took him into custody then. So that was his downfall. No, Kevin just asked a quick question. He said, I heard a, hear that a lot of stuff happened to the places that Dahmer lived or killed. Can you speak about it? I'll just share this. Um, there's the Oxford apartment. I'm reading this online here where he lived and he had killed 12 of his victims. It was demolished in November of 92. And the site is now a vacant lot and alternate plans to convert the site into either a memorial garden, a playground, or a reconstructed new housing have failed to materialize. And he, his house that he did kill some people, that still stands. I don't believe, know if it's his house or his grandmother's house. That there, there is a home that still stands in Milwaukee today. And like all yeah. people live in it? or somebody, somebody owns it. A musician, I believe, owns it. And I think put it up on the market or something like that. I want to say, was it Chris Bader maybe might own it? What? Yeah, That's somebody crazy. actually owns the home. And so you can't, you cannot tour the outside of the home, but you can find the address and you see the outside. People have done this. I'm not recommending anybody to do this, but people have done this. And you can do your own kind of self-guided Dahmer tour. And folks, you know, we want to say thank you for listening to this segment. Wasn't this great, Nadine? This was amazing. Was fantastic. Yeah. So, and time flies when, you know. You know, and we're going to be back. You know, this is not over, folks. Because, you know, every two Fridays, we have something good for you. And if you go to everydayfolksradio.com, you'll be able to find our listing of our next show. And tell them what's coming to Deem on May 7th. Oh, May 7th, we are going to talk about disappearances. Disappearances, which we know that disappearances has long plagued society all over the world. And there's a lot of interesting stories of disappearances, and we would love for you guys to message us and let us know of any disappearance stories that you found to be intriguing and we'd like to share them on the air. 
And folks, we want to say thank you for listening. And don't you disappear. Come back May 7th. <laughs> Come back May 7th for our segment. And don't forget to visit our archive. You can go to everydayfolksradio.com. Um, and visit our archive of, of how many shows the Dean I've even lost. I was just gonna point. ask you, Billy, how many shows have we done already? I think I I know we're nearing twenty at this point. We're nearing not more than that. We are nearing yeah. twenty. So as Nadine would say, twenty hours of great listening content <laughs> that you can go back and listen to on Apple on, on Google Play or Apple Play. Go and listen, folks. Until May seventh, please take care of yourselves and stay safe and we will see you soon. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.